It's the Blue Vote Cafe, a little bit wonkish, a whole lot of fun. I'm David Schellenberg in uh, rainy Ottawa at the moment. And along with me is Rachel Oyster, several blocks away in rainy Ottawa. Hello, Rachel. Hello, David. Yeah, you're right. I put up some of my Halloween decorations um, a couple days ago, and I purposely did not hang the little ghosts in the bushes because they would look pitiful today. <laughs> when they look like spooky, sort of emerging through no. the, the annoying weather. They should. They just look bedraggled and pitiful. They just, all the <laughs> creep and scare factor is completely gone. <laughs> so, no, they'll go up Halloween afternoon and they'll look adorable and, and scary, of course. Yes. Of course, and, and uh, by then they'll be looking like nice and sharp ghosts instead of fairly washed out. Uh, and who's yeah. with us today, Rachel? <laughs> today we have the pleasure of speaking with Lee Donald Moore, who also goes by Jazz. So if sometimes we call him Lee or call them Lee, and sometimes we say Jazz, that is why. Um, Jazz is the newly appointed, elected leader of the Black Caucus. And Jazz, I will let you um, actually clarify that for us, how you came to be where you are. <laughs> Hi, everybody, and thank you very, very much for having us uh, today. Um, us, as in the Global Black Caucus, and of course me, um, as the new <laughs> appointed chair. Um, I do want to say us, because I think it's very important to really highlight, focus, all of the outstanding work every team member does within the Global Black Caucus. And I'm so very proud to have found so many outstanding individuals with huge talents that haven't really had a chance to shine uh, beforehand within the DA uh, community or DA world, to say it like that. And um, they are on board 100%. So yeah, there we go. <laughs> Which is an interesting Lovely. point because the, the DA world, it's a big complicated world. Is that is that way you find it as well? Well, I, I wouldn't say it's really that complicated, but it can be very complex, especially when, when you enter the DA world uh, as a complete newbie. Um, and I just recently came across a, a volunteer from, from Canada, um, which is located in Toronto, who has been living there since uh, nearly a year now and just very briefly uh, found Democrats Abroad uh, Canada there. And uh, she saw that we were looking for volunteers. She applied for it and we got on a call and I was like, you know what? I think you're actually great material to join our steering committee here. So then I got them introduced to uh, the Democrats Abroad Canada uh, chair and uh, they are also working on a great project there. And it's all about making connections. And that is what actually makes uh, Democrats Abroad uh, easy at the end of the day because we have so much knowledge to share um, and everybody's here to help everybody. And that is, uh, it's an amazing experience. That is true for sure. I I'm curious to know, we often ask, I I'm just thinking, we haven't asked you our standard yes, questions. Yes, yes, we're which about we to do the standard put, question. Here it put comes. on hold. Okay, okay, go, go oh, for it, David. Do oh, it. no, do, do, do something else first. I was going somewhere else, but that's okay. Do it. You do it. Okay, Jess. So three questions. Um, where are you now? Where do you vote out of? So where was the last place you were in the United States? And what keeps you where you are in the world? Whoa, those are three very difficult questions. <laughs> um, where am I now? I'm located in uh, Zurich, Switzerland. Um, and uh, I sometimes also am uh, located in France, so I, I live in both places. Um, but uh, I vote in uh, Texas, El Paso. And the third question was, why do I stay in Switzerland? Well, I've been living in Switzerland since uh, more than 16 years now. And um, I don't know, I, I came very spontaneously after, after I did my master's in, in, in Germany. 
And I have to point out that I did my master's within three and a half months instead of two years. Oh, my. Um, so on the last day, I said, I want to go and treat myself and go on a shopping spree and <laughs> went to Zurich. I had a job in, uh, actually uh, in New York, which I then um, turned down. And I said, I want to move here. And three weeks later, I moved here. And it's a beautiful country. I do have to point that out. It, 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 it's, it's so clean. It's, it's, it's the architecture in, in the countryside is beautiful. Uh, the nature is really, really pretty. I think it's quite similar to, to Australia, uh, to, to Canada. Um, I've heard some friends of mine say uh, who are Canadians. Um, but Switzerland can also be quite a tough country to live in, especially if you're a foreigner, especially if you're a person of color, and especially if you are German. So um, not everything is very, very good in Switzerland, and they have some own issues to tackle as well. So are you born and raised in Texas? No, I was actually born on Ramstein Air Base in Germany. So I come from a military household okay. um, by national. Um, so I have two passports, a German one and an American one. So I get to have the privilege uh, to vote in both countries. And uh, I grew up partially in Germany and partially in the U.S. So it always depended on where my um, father was stationed at. And um, yeah, so my family, my American family originates more or less from, from Mississippi, but they all kind of moved out to California, uh, Texas, and uh, the Chicago area. Wow. You could be a more perfect Democrats abroad individual. It's true. Why is that? You, you just <laughs> seem to cover it all. You're representing the world. It's true. Well, yeah. well I do sometimes feel like a, a, a third world citizen in a way. A third, 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 you know, like I belong nowhere, but I do belong somewhere. There, there's a whole category of global citizens. I think you belong to Global citizens. Yeah, that's what I meant. Exactly. Yeah. So tell us yeah. how you found Democrats Abroad and tell us about your journey within it. I found Democrats Abroad um, back in 2016, 17. Um, so if I make it a, a bit of a longer story there, I, I actually was very involved with um, a local um, activities and, and activism advocacy within Switzerland for people of color and especially also for the LGBTIQ plus community. Mm -hmm. um, and so back then I already started um, working as a, a consultant for uh, the U.S. Embassy as well on those topics, especially on the LGBTIQ plus topics. Mm -hmm. And um, so then I was like, well, I need to get involved uh, way much more and, and also reconnect with my roots uh, on a much deeper level. Um, and so I um, signed up as a member with the uh, Democrats Abroad uh, Zurich chapter. And I do have to point out that that was not a very pleasant experience. So I wasn't really welcomed. Oh um, and sometimes I do, do question myself, like, oh, should I say something negative? But yes, because back then the leadership team that was in charge to, at that point of time was really not welcoming, especially not because I identify as non-binary. So sometimes you see me walking around dressed as a man. Sometimes you see me walking around dressed as a woman and I'm completely comfortable in both versions of myself. Mm -hmm. um, but they did not, they, they couldn't cope with that. So it made me feel unwelcomed. And then I said, you know what? All the time that I spend, all the, the the engagements that I do, I could do that somewhere else. So I left again. I just did my own thing. Right. And then um, 
2020, um, a newer leadership team then reached out and they had heard a lot of, of the issues that were going on back then. And they apologized again and they said, hey, listen, um, we're new people here. Um, we'd like to get you involved. We think um, we both can benefit from each other. Um, would you be interested in, in being a, a speaker at one of our events? And I said, yeah, sure. Why not? Um, let's give it a try. And it was a completely different picture. And it showed me how um, Democrats abroad um, has evolved as well on a very positive note. Um, and when somebody gets me, when somebody catches me in my full attention, you got me there. Aww. You won't lose me that quick. So, um, and from, from that point on, yeah, I've been, I, I, uh, was very pri privileged and honored to, to also be, um, the spokesperson for Democrats abroad Switzerland, um, especially during the election period. Um, and, uh, which was quite exciting as well, because uh, I was the first um, African-American um, trans person on national TV, on the biggest station here and TV, oh, reporting my. live for, I think, 11 hours straight. So it started wow. in the middle of the night wow. with a very strong uh, opponent from the Republicans overseas. <laughs> Everybody feared. Um, I didn't fear because he got thrown out of the studio at the end of the night instead of me. So that was a great experience and, and a great takeaway. And I was like, yeah, wow. I belong here. Incredible. <laughs> and, and I, I'm still enjoying all that. That's a, I know. That's a wow. Okay. It is. But I'm also appreciating your journey from an initial negative experience to a point where even before you told us that story, your assessment of Democrats abroad is an organization where everyone helps each other. So mm -hmm. I mean, that's a really lovely turnaround. And I'm so glad mm -hmm. that newer leadership team reached out to you and made that possible. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And also, I, I realized that the, the big change there as well when they reached out to me um, and also when they gave me the opportunity to present Democrats Abroad Switzerland on these uh, medias, everybody was there to assist with all the information that I needed because I needed to get on the first live segment within three days. And when I go on segments like this, I like to be prepared. I know what I, I like to be prepared for any situation that is in the room, especially when you have such a strong um, and uh, strong-minded, um, self-conscious uh, person as this one from Republicans overseas, so that they could not bulldozer over me. And um, so they provided me with excellent, excellent support. And I said, hey, look, there has been a big change, and this is what I want to support as well. That's amazing. And that has been been continued on ever since I also uh, have been appointed uh, uh, chair of the Global Black Caucus. The same thing happened there. Everybody is there to help and assist. Um, yeah. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. And yes, we have to talk about the Black Caucus because that's why we would, we invited you. And we should mention for those who haven't been listening to the podcast very long that we did interview the founder of the Black Caucus, um, Angela Fobbs, um, I think a year or a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. Oh, I should know because it was right before Democrats Abroad's um, a, a event in the wake of the killing of George, George Floyd. Right. That's when it was. Okay. And, and we had an amazing conversation with Angela and highly recommend that episode mm -hmm. um, and learned from her that she had founded it four years before that. So I know it's a relatively mm -hmm. young caucus, but um, tell us your what how it appeared to you and what what led you to want to lead it. 
Exactly. I mean, it's it's really amazing and great to see all the work and effort that Angela Fobbs has put into uh, founding the Global Black Caucus, but also um, building it up from from zero to hero and uh, from from zero to shiro, to say it like that. <laughs> um, and uh, this is a very strong basis, which I'm very proud to be building uh, up on top of. Um, and uh, spreading out and, and reaching out in a, a little bit of a different manner, partially as well. But um, without that strong foundation, which Angela and, and the previous steering committee team um, ha- had done, everything I would be doing now would simply not be possible. So again, a huge, huge thank you goes out to Angela and the previous steering committee team. Um, how did I come 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 to this? Um, well, a couple months back, uh, there, there was a... a um, uh, a call for applicants and I said uh, uh, yeah why not why not apply for it I applied for this one for the Global Black Caucus and also for the LGBTIQ Caucus um, and uh, then I received a message saying like okay uh, you're the one <laughs> and I was like, we okay. choose you. Yeah, I, choose you. Um, I, I have to be honest, I wasn't really fully aware what I was going to be expecting. Um, uh, and then when, when everything came in, all the informations came in and, you know, when you get up, uh, set up with all the technical stuff and, and all the quizzes that you have to take and you need to know all the structures and this and that and, mm-hmm. and, and so on. That can be very confusing for outsiders who maybe are quite new to uh, Democrats abroad, but there again, people are there to help and assist you and they do it with, with joy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I had a big task of forming a complete new steering committee um, uh, for the GBC. And uh, it was quite tough because I had a lot, a lot, a lot of applicants and so much great talent, uh, which is out there. And I really, first of all, needed to, to make myself a, or give myself a, a bigger, clearer picture on how I want the um, GBC to evolve um, upon this great foundation and where it should go and what is needed, um, what strategies I want to use and, and how can we achieve it and what kind of people uh, with which skill set do we need so that we can achieve this. So I've been taking on a, a slightly different approach, maybe more out of a corporate perspective, probably, mm. um, so that... Uh, I could build a clear uh, structure. Um, and the structure that I've been building there is that we have our team leads. So for example, we have the communications, the press media relations, um, the fundraising, and so on. And all of these team leads have deputies as well. So there are always two people more or less in charge of the same role because this is a volunteer-based organization and we all have day jobs, we all have families, um, things happen. And if one of these people just can't do the tasks, then the whole team is in danger. I don't want the team to be in danger. I want everybody to flourish together. So that's why I I created these deputies as well. Um, So all of these people in total are already like 22 people or so. Wow. (laughs) After a recount. uh, That's not a team, that's an army. (laughs) (laughs) That's wonderful. The the Global Black Caucus is here to... (laughs) stay and not to yeah. flex, flex your muscle. I think that's amazing. <laughs> exactly. And, and even when we, when we did a call for, for volunteers, I, I, I was quite surprised. Um, the first initial call we made, there were only like two people that, that signed up. Huh. And then with the, the newsletter that I sent out within one day, there were um, 
22 people wow. that signed up. And I was like, <laughs> okay. Incredible. That's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, it's great. When you, when you look at the global black clock, I see a, a redundant question, but I'll ask it anyway. What do you, what do you see as the role of your caucus? Well, the role of our caucus is uh, simply that it's made up of of, of DA members um, of all ethnicities who are willing and are who and who are able to advocate on issues that are important for African Americans within the U.S. and outside of the U.S. And um, I've updated the issues as well because the issue list that that the previous steering committee team I created um, was nice and long, <laughs> but I added some more, so it's even longer. <laughs> Because we're not shying away from pointing out what these issues are. So we're speaking about issues like anti-racism, Black Lives Matter, Black Votes Matter, courts, criminal justice, economic inequality, education, environmental racism, environmental justice and climate change, disability, gentrification, government participation, immigration. I hope you're not falling asleep now. Oh, no, this is wonderful. (laughs) I I wanted specifics. This is great. Keep going. Human rights, human trafficking, justice, LGBTIQ+, mass incarceration, military, police brutality, police militarization, prisoner rights, reparations, representation, stereotypes, technology, artificial intelligence impacts, and technology, industry, diversity, and inclusion. So this is quite a long list that we are actually working on, but it also highlights that, and I'm going to use this word with with not being careful about it, but I do believe that um, we should utilize this word of intersectionality even more and be way much more aware of it, that it's not just to be used inflationary, but to be used wisely and with education and knowledge behind it. So if you look at those issues, you would really, really quickly um, realize that you don't have to be a person of color to be affected by them. That's for sure. I mean, everything you mentioned could be its own podcast episode. I, I mean, they, as you spoke, each, you know, several of those terms just, I was like, oh, I want to ask Jazz about that. I want to ask Jazz about that. Yeah. Um, there's so much to dig into there. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe we should just start with, can you <laughs> tell? Like, yeah, you and oh, I are thinking the exact same thing. It's like, well, what's the most important on that list? Or what are the ones, I'm curious about the ones you added. Yes. What's what's the one that you thought was most important that wasn't yet on the list until mm-hmm. you became the chair? One of the most important ones is actually the topic of reparations. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, with uh, Antar Keith, who's also the uh, leader of the ta- uh, reparations task force team, he's also the team lead of the reparations um, in the GBC. And this wasn't on the list before, but it now is. And this is something that we will be pushing a lot um, and supporting um, the HR 40 bill a lot, not just outside of our organization for the uh, Americans um, in the homeland, so to say, but especially within our Democrats abroad own membership community, mm-hmm. because there are a lot of people that really do not understand it yet. There are a lot of people that want to have the knowledge, which is very uh, satisfactory uh, uh, or very great to say like that. And there are also people that, um, think that that topic is not necessary at all. And some of these people are even people of color. Mm-hmm. So for those listeners who don't know what it is and are interested in learning, do you want to just explain briefly just to give us a baseline to talk from? 
<laughs> We've actually just about 10 minutes ago, we came out of a really, really great first um, meet and greet uh, meeting with the reparations. So the reparations actually also looks back. It, it, it's, if you look at it, it has different components. On one hand, it looks back at um, the history of slavery per se and uh, all the problems and issues uh, that are even uh, inherited throughout generations that need to be addressed so that people um, get their reparations from. Mm -hmm. uh, there are things that need to be taken in charge again. And um, there are also topics that when you look at it, that goes over to, to uh, the critical race theory as well, because that is an essential part, uh, knowing that. But it actually the baseline of it is uh, structural um, racism. Um, where does it come from? Why is it still in place? Um, how can we get out of it? What needs to be done? Um, and so on. And what about direct compensation to people whose exactly. Exactly. lives and family and heritage was affected? Exactly. Exactly. I'm wondering if it wasn't on the list of the previous leadership of the um, Black Caucus, because maybe it's much more front and center culturally and in the news right now? Was that possible? I'm just trying to think when when did we be begin discussing reparations with a much more in a much more active way? If you look at it this way, the, the topic is not new at all. Um, no. There are some states that are actually pushing that as, as well. Um, mm -hmm. And there are some great um, um, activists out there that are uh, pushing that as well, very, very strongly, um, especially uh, Dr. Cornell West, for example. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, people have been talking about it, but I think they still are afraid to even address it mm -hmm. um, because there's a, a huge lack of knowledge there, mm -hmm. first of all, and that is something that we need to dismantle. And this is something that we, we just discussed on, on the previous call that I just came out of, is the only key moving forward here is to educate everybody on the topic and what it actually really means and why it is so crucial um, in moving forward with a healthy uh, uh, community and healthy state. And also just to, to, to receive justice right. and mm -hmm. equality. Mm -hmm. Canada is certainly having a similar conversation with its indigenous population. And, and one of the benefits of Democrats abroad is we do have a, a global view. So when you look out around the world, is, is there a country that has gone through this process successfully? Uh, successfully. Um, there <laughs> are, that's a big term. It's yeah, <laughs> a really big is. term. Big and big. Um, and I would not allow myself to comment on if uh, reparations in any countries were successful, because that is something that every individual and every family as well um, looks oh, at it themselves. But absolutely. Germany, for example, Germany, for example, they have a big uh, history on reparations um, as well. And mm -hmm. there's still not everything that has been um, uh, fully justified again and, and um, um brought to justice. Uh, there is also uh, um, uh, 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 reparations in the AP area, um, which have been done also on mm -hmm. American soil. Mm -hmm. um, so there's still a lot of other countries that need to get their head around it and do the job. But yeah, it does seem to point to a particular moment in in global history, which has occurred several times where you know, as as people travel around the world, they take advantage, and it's sooner or later you you have to pay back for the mistakes that your ancestors made. Well, you pay in mm -hmm. one way or another, I guess. But 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's not just about paying back, but it's about giving families um, justice and peace. Mm -hmm. Inner peace. And acknowledgement, I imagine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And giving them the feeling, not just the feeling, but, but, but letting people be heard as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That, I a, guess that's a big part of it. Is is is, is again in sort of the, the the Canadian experience is we're going through this this process that we've called truth and reconciliation. So step one is the truth, ad- admitting that it happened, having the discussion, the open, honest discussion that this genuinely happened. This is not some myth. This is not some conspiracy. This these are the facts. And then once you can have that, you can truly move on to reconciliation. But, but even the truth part is a complicated conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And there's something I'm going to dive. I'm actually I have to be quite careful because I moderate some sometimes myself on TV and on, on radio. So, so, so don't take over your show here. Oh so no 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 that. this no no we're, you're we're here to hear you, to talk to you and hear what you have to say <laughs> but um there's actually something that that um we we some of our uh, caucuses um are doing at the moment we're, we're really connecting on, on on a lot of different levels here to um unite ourselves and and also unite um the voters out there to to dismantle a lot of things and there's something that we that the api caucus and i um, as the G- uh, GBC are, are putting together, and it is a caucus takeover <laughs> of <laughs> of. So the GBC is taking over the AAPI caucus, and the AAPI caucus is taking over the GBC caucus for a uh-huh. full week. Cool. And what we're actually doing there is we want to highlight um, the issues that the own caucuses have. Um, but present them on the um, social media accounts of our counterparts to show that we do have similar similarities, but we also have uh, um, disparities as well. But at the end of the day, if we are not united, we will lose democratic votes. Mm-hmm. So it's about dismantling uh, racism as well that can go both ways. And it's about showing that that you know, we might be different, but we're actually the same. I think that's a brilliant idea. Yeah, that's about really taking fun. down taking down the the boundaries and the borders. Yeah, that's wonderful. Can we go back to your list of issues? I one caught my attention because I thought I knew what it was about, but I'd like to know from you what it is about and see if I was right or not. <laughs> <laughs> Artificial intelligence and technology. Yes, so that is a big one as well, and um, I'm actually quite happy because. There's an event coming up um, in in February um, uh, 2022, which we will have somebody from the UN who's a specialist on that as well. So the topic that we chose in there is that um, there are a lot of uh, artificial intelligence um, programs that uh, racially profile, um, for example, the people, of course. So the systems um, that they put in place, they are mainly targeted on one side, just uh, to filter out people of color, and on the other side, um, just to filter out non-people of color. Um, uh, And that uh, can be quite dangerous if you look at it that way, Um, because uh, I know that there are some places where it exactly is misused to um, deny some people of color 
uh, an entry somewhere just because the computer system recognizes you as a person of color. Mm. Oh, wow. The, yeah. yeah. Where I went with it was things that I've read about, say, facial recognition, where most of the testing and design has been on white men. And so it's very poor at recognizing white mm. women's faces, but even worse at recognizing the faces mm. of people of color. So that's almost mm -hmm. the opposite problem. It's the opposite problem, but it's an additional problem. But it's an additional problem. Uh, mentioned. So that's way much more common, what you just also mentioned a bit. And mm -hmm. the second one is a bit uh, a newer, newer problem. It's a little like most of medicine having been conducted on white men, right? I mean, there's, there's a lot of evidence that medicine for, you know, has not taken to the differing needs of women or people of color. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say that. I mean, if we, and this is also a topic of the, the reparations as well. So if we look back um, to the Tuskegee uh, experiments where um, mm -hmm. uh, people of color that were incarcerated were uh, used to uh, test uh, syphilis medicine um, uh, in, in numbers um, uh, are uh, being... Um, brought to attention to today's um, uh, people. And, and they, of course, also are there and saying like, hey, we want reparations for what you've done to us. You've mm -hmm. experimented on, on our bodies and these were just people of color. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. So, Jess, so with the, the Global Black Caucus now, are, are you full because you have so many people or, or what are some uh, positions you're still recruiting for, some help you still need? Well, we always need help. <laughs> um, uh, just like every caucus and every chapter uh, committee and so on, um, we always need more help. So if anybody's out there who uh, would like to join as a volunteer, just contact me at uh, uh, blackcaucus at democratsabroad.org and I'll send you the volunteer sign-up form. Um, and this could be for any kind of position. If you only have one hour, if you have 10 hours a month, um, every helping hand helps. Um, and if we don't find a place for you within the GBC where you think you can be utilized uh, perfectly, I'm sure that, for example, other caucuses would need your help as well. Right. And I'm very happy to assist um, directing you to which other caucus could also use your help. So it's always worth contacting us directly. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and I sort of asked that question as a, um, what have you got coming up? What kind of events are coming up? I was on? going what, to ask. Yeah. Yes. What, what, are, <laughs> what are some uh, critical issues that are coming that perhaps if somebody has some certain expertise, you could really use some help in? Well, there are some, um, a lot of events that are coming up actually. Uh, just in November, we will be having the AAPI and GBC Takeover Week, which is more or less a social media um, platform. So our comms team is um, very well equipped with, with people at the moment. So they are working uh, a lot, but even there, if, if there are more people with uh, uh, graphic uh, design skills, the more the merrier so that the workload is split up. Um, because what I don't want is to, to people to be burned out. That is something really, really bad. And I think um, there's so much people out there. There are so many people out there that, sometimes do feel burned out. So that's why it's important to have as much people as we can find. Mm -hmm. um, besides that, we have the Spill the Beans, the GBC Cafe, um, which we'll be hosting in two uh, regions. At the moment, it's the EMEA region and the um, AP region. It's um, called Spill the Beans? Spill the Beans, the <laughs> GBC Cafe. That is so cute. 
Why didn't yeah. we think of that for the uh, podcast, yeah. David? <laughs> but it's something simple. It's, it's uh, you know, there, there's going to be a, a guest speaker. There's going to be, um, you know, you just grab your coffee and, and there's going to be a topic and you can just chip in and, and speak very freely. Uh, uh, and the conversation could go anywhere. So there's no strict direction on, on what it's about. Um, there's another up and coming of collaboration event, which I'm actually not at liberty to tell at the moment, which will be happening in France with the, together with the Diversity uh, Caucus. That is also going to be in November. December is kind of a hot month. So we're having an event on 1st of December for World AIDS Day, um, which is still in planning as well. We are having an event on the 2nd of December for Abolition Day. We are having an event on the 3rd of December, which is a, a collaboration with the Dis Disability Caucus. Um, then there will be an event on uh, December 11th uh, on the topic of DC statehood, which is also still in planning, but almost nailed it. Right. We're having another critical race theory event um, on the 12th. <laughs> Um, wow. Together with, uh, it's a collaboration with um, the Together is Better Alliance in Chicago and the uh, NEA, uh, National Education uh, uh, Association, board member and uh, Black Caucus member, um, which we've previously worked on an event in uh, um, on the topic of critical race theory in New Zealand, Democrats Abroad New Zealand. Mm. So, and that's about it for December. And then we are already in January <laughs> and there are some events coming up there. But February, of course, um, is the month where we're having loads and loads and loads of events. And also in the time period of June teens until uh, 4th of July, there will be another massive amount of events going on. Mm. Besides that, if there's somebody out there who wants to join in and ship in and uh, feels that they are up to it, um, we do need some help in getting out the vote as well. Um, so if anybody's out there who would like to join and be part of that team, just hit me up. So, the, I mean, that's an, an incredible number of events coming up. I think when, when David asked the question, we were expecting, you know, the next three over the next year. Yes. But <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> but my question is, is this a mix of in-person and virtual events? How, how much participation can there be globally and how much is going to be local? Well, I do need to point out there as well that um, uh, Angela and the previous steering committee team, they have done a, a huge amount of events as well. So yes, actually just putting up on, on what they're doing. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> so it, you're right. <laughs> nothing, nothing new there. Um, so some of these are um, mainly all of these are virtual events at the moment. Um, one is a, um, uh, in-person event in France, uh, which is also going to be a virtual event at the same time, so that we're Great. combining both both structures. Um, Pandemic-wise, we still just have to wait and see how everything's going to be going. There is another bigger event, which is a, a more or less a, a roundtable event for um, Black Caucus country committees uh, to join in. So mm -hmm. I'm doing these quarterly meetings where we all get together uh, discuss what we have in planning, see how we can um, help and assist each other, and uh, maybe even create uh, um, events together um, so that not every country uh, just does their own thing and is just like, you know, dependent on themselves, but knows like, hey, look, there's somebody there um, who might be able to help you out as well. And this is something that is also kind of new. 
You read my mind because my next question <laughs> was going to be about the country committee black caucuses because mm -hmm. I, I don't know how many countries have them, but I know that that possibility exists at the country committee level. Well, I heard it through the grapevine that Canada is uh, in formation of one. Mm -hmm. We've been trying. <laughs> <laughs> we have been trying. I mean, the reality is our black leaders are so busy. Asking them mm -hmm. to take this on is unfair. And um, it doesn't seem right to have somebody who isn't black lead mm -hmm. the charge. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. so I think that's one of the hurdles. But there is certainly interest and hopefully we'll have critical mass before long. I, th I think so too. I think there's something in the making there that I that I've, heard, as I just said, heard it through the grapevine. Um, but other than that, um, actually, uh, DA uh, South Korea and uh, Tokyo, they are also information of a um, country committee black caucus. Fabulous, too. Mm -hmm. fabulous. So there's been been three more new ones. Yeah, wonderful. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. They're all doing great work great community building. And this is something that is really important to me as well is, is to build a strong community where um, people feel welcome and people feel at home at, because um, this is like a foundation of actually getting people out there to vote as well and to inspire others to do the same. Um, well, we need to, to have this, this friendship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The community, it, it occurs to me that the caucuses provide maybe a community with more longevity than the leadership because of the 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 structure our leadership structure has turnover of all leaders with you know two and four year intervals mm -hmm. where a caucus you join when you become a member and perhaps stay a member of it for i don't know 20 years or whatever but <laughs> <laughs> i mean i don't i can't speak to how the leadership turns over at the caucus level no. but at least that gives you yeah that gives it gives some continuity for members who might see oh we have a different country chair now i didn't even realize that right mm -hmm. and i and mm -hmm. i can also see how caucuses uh, for a lot of people who move around quite a little bit you you find a caucus and become a key part of that caucus and then it doesn't really matter where in the world you live mm -hmm. that makes sense too mm -hmm. that is so true but it's also it this is what i feel is that within the caucuses you can utilize the intersectionality way much easier and way much better i think because what we've been doing now as well is we've been also reaching out a lot to um the youth and youth caucuses because yeah. um, that is actually our future right and yes. we so so besides actually it's going back to to the whole structure of, of of the gpc at the moment what i've also implemented within our own um uh, organization is that i told all my steering committee members that they would need a buddy so this buddy uh, bridge builder buddy is like a mentorship program um where everybody of us needs to find a person who is from a different country committee of a different gender, a different age uh, bracket, and at best of a different ethnicity. Um, and this is just like a bounce off person. So I, for example, uh, chose Sruti from the uh, youth caucus because I think that if I want to reach um, African-American uh, eligible potential voters, um, I need to speak their language with the text that I send out. So I ask her to look at the texts and, and comment on it. And she'll look at it and say, Hey, yes, we use that wording. That's how you reach him. Fine to go. And then she could come to me if she wants to do something where she needs the knowledge of a certain topic so that she could provide that for her base. And it's just a, a bounce off person, which is beneficial for everybody. That's and wonderful. this is what we all do as well. 
It's about reaching out, opening up, Mm -hmm. being there, being open. Mm -hmm. Connecting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How nice. It's been such a pleasure talking to you, Jazz. Is, Is there anything else that you haven't gotten to say that you want to share? Well, thank you very much, Rachel and David. It absolutely was a pleasure speaking with you too. And as I pointed out privately, I really do love the Blue Boat uh, Cafe podcast. It is so engaging and so helpful as well because I listened to a couple of episodes and I was like, oh, I didn't know that as well. Good resource there. Um, So there's actually one thing. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Thing that I do want to point out, if you're not a member yet of the Global Black Caucus, please become one. Um, all DA members are eligible to join. Um, we do have members from over 108 countries and leaders in 15 different country committees. Um, and our members are of all ethnicities. So you don't need to be black to become a member. <laughs> and if you want to follow us on social media, please do so. You could also find us on Facebook with Democrats Abroad Global Black Caucus on Twitter at Dems Abroad GBC on Instagram, Dems Abroad GBC and on youtube as well and there's also a podcast that we have which is called power to the people podcast which is available on itunes podomatic spotify player and so on um there will be uh, newer updates and newer episodes coming there as well so david and rachel i hope you're going to be one of our guests as well too Absolutely. oh thank you yeah we'll do takeovers absolutely yeah that's another good idea too podcast takeovers i love it (laughs) and uh, first we guest and then we host sorry (laughs) (laughs) yeah we do also have great uh, poets in the in the gvc poet laureate circle that is also always worth checking the website oh yeah um uh, democratsabroad.org slash bc um and uh there's one uh, poet, um, Elaine Thomas. She always brings me to tears, so it's always worth reading those. And, of course, on the DA Wiki, um, we've been updating that space as well. And um, just go have a look. Yeah, Our website as well is being updated now, yeah. so I hope you like it. <laughs> a wealth of resources. It's wonderful. <laughs> exactly. You're, you're, you're actually saying that resources is the most valuable asset that we have. Uh, on the basis of education. And, and as I just quickly just rushed in there um, saying that the GBC website is being redone as well um, is because the whole structure of it is, is, is being altered. Um, uh, again, pointing out that is is being built upon a very strong foundation, but it just is being put in a different context and a bit different structure that when people are going onto that website looking for resources, it's going to be way much easier for them to find on um, even for younger people that need to write an essay or something and need certain resources. That is the place to go to them. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for being our guest today. It's yeah, been thank sheer you pleasure. Very much. It really was. Oh, wonderful. I think you used well, to this. Let's do yeah, it again I was, next week. <laughs> I was going to different. say, to be continued. Yeah. <laughs> Easier to be the guest or the host? <laughs> well, that gives me an opportunity for a takeover, too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> Door has to swing both ways. <laughs> I'm Rachel Oyster with David Sheldenberg in Ottawa, Canada. Thank you for listening to Democrats Abroad, the Blue Vote Cafe. 